there was in the early church, I believe it's Acts chapter 4, where there was, uh, at some point, there was no need among them. And uh, that is, that's, a, that's a worthy goal. And it's one of these things where I think you're absolutely right. We guard our time sometimes more than we guard our money because time is precious and we don't have much of it. We don't feel like we do. Um, but to be a church that looks out for each other, um, to see a need and to fill a need. You might not be able to fill it, but you can find somebody who can. Um, so I think this is an awesome thing. We're going to be talking about this for weeks, uh, for, for, for a few weeks, and, and uh, you'll hear more uh, from Orville. And please take those forms, uh, drop them in that basket, drop them in the offering plate as you would. And um, I appreciate um, also these smaller cards for um, uh, what Bible book would you be interested in hearing about and either a life issue or subject. I have two so far. I'd love a few more, but give that some thought. I want to give thanks to a lot of people who took time, time, and effort, a lot of effort, uh, some vehicles, trailers, to get our family moved from Galesburg to our, our new home in Frontenac uh, this past weekend. There was a lot of sweat pouring off of some really tired guys and a lot of people came out to the house last night and unloaded the truck and helped put things into rooms. I, I was, uh, frankly, I was embarrassed at the amount of stuff that kept coming out of the house. I hope I never have to do this again, frankly, because it's just, I mean, we've, we've been there for 13 years, and it's amazing what you can pack in a place. You, you have space, you fill it. And, um, but there was there's just an awful lot of people that blessed us in awful big ways and this past weekend. And uh, we, are, we are grateful. New things, all things new is what we're talking about. All, all things new. God makes all things new. And so there's lots of new things in Scripture. We're going to be talking through what is new. What does God make new in Scripture? Today is all about new covenant. Now that may not be the first thing that comes to your mind when you talk about, well, what's new in Scripture but it's a big deal. What's a covenant anyway? A covenant, really, just by definition, is just an agreement. An agreement made by two parties, each with their own set of promises and commitments that they make to each other. I'll do this, you do that, and we'll fulfill the terms of the covenant. I entered into a covenant with Rhoda Souter 27 years ago this past Thursday. And we spent the day painting our new house and having takeout from rib crib. And that was, that was awesome. Um, and a week and a half ago, I entered into a covenant with a bank, and they said, we'll give you lots of money to buy a house, and you give us more money in return. And I said, okay. There are covenants in the Bible. It's, it's, it is a Bible word, but it's also something that we enter, we do these things. And we, maybe we don't even know that we do, but there are covenants named in the Bible. Some between people and some between God and people that God initiates. In the pages of the Bible, there's what's commonly referred to as the Old Covenant, a generic title that refers to the Law of Moses, the Torah, 
the way in which the people of Israel walked. That was the old covenant. And then there's what's called the new covenant. Something the Old Testament prophets saw coming and Jesus brought about through his own body. To understand and appreciate the new covenant, I think we need to have an understanding and appreciation of the old. Like I said last week, to really grasp the greatness of the gospel, of the good news, you need to know the, the sheer horror of the bad news. If you, if you want to participate in life in Christ, you have to really grasp the fact that you're dead inside in sin. If you want resurrection, you really need to die. Before we can move into eternity, we have to understand and grasp the reality that we are lost without Jesus. It's that kind of thing. The new covenant has so much more meaning when we understand the structure of the old. So let's ask a question that sometimes gets missed. Why a covenant? Why even bother? Why did God, in his infinite wisdom, as he created all things, as he put man and woman in the perfect garden and told them to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, why did he bother saying, I want to partner with these creations of mine. I want them to be with me, doing what I do. I want to delegate to them authority. And I want to bring them into the plan that I am doing. Why did God even want to do that? He's so other from us. He's so much more than we are. Because he's relationship. He's relational. He wants this interaction with his people. And so he initiates covenant. And the term covenant wasn't mentioned in creation. Genesis 1 to 3, you won't see the term covenant, and it wasn't necessarily a covenant, but it was an agreement. There was this idea, God said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to enjoy yourselves in this perfect creation. You're going to fill the earth. You're in charge. You need to work the ground. You need to grow things. You need to make stuff. But one thing you don't do, you don't eat from that tree over there. That's off limits. Those are the terms. And the first humans violated the terms, wanted good and evil in their own way, and they broke the terms of the covenant. But then God said, okay, I'm going to, in his foreknowledge, make a plan. He made a plan from the foundation of the world and knew exactly what was going to happen. And in the pages of the, of the scriptures, there are four covenants that God made with individuals or a nation through the Old Testament. The first was Noah. In the, in the, after the flood, really, I'm going to fly through these. The covenant with Noah was the rainbow, right? I will never flood the earth again. That was God's commitment. What did Noah have to do? Nothing. There was no requirement for Noah. This was a strange one. The others aren't like this. Abraham was called. God would give him children and peoples of the earth would be blessed through his nations, the nation that would come from him. 
And Abraham is to trust God to raise his family to do what is just and right. That was a covenant. Then God made a covenant with the nation of Israel. And all through the prophets you see where they say they have broken covenant. They have broken faith with God. God rescued them from Egypt, from slavery. Gave them his ways and his truth on Mount Sinai. And they promise their commitment is to obey all the rules and laws that God gave them. They couldn't do that either. Then God made a covenant with David, King David. God promised that David would always have a son on the throne of Israel. And David and his descendants must always be faithful to the terms of the covenant. Here's the thing. God was always faithful with his part. He always was faithful to do what he said. He would carry the terms, but he would also be faithful and fulfilling. And every, how many of you in school, when you, there was a group project, remember group projects in the school? How many of you loved group projects in school? Never once did we love group projects, unless you were the, the person who just let the smart kid take it and run. Then you loved a group project. How many of you were the kid who just carried the whole group? Okay, see a few hands. Because if I don't do it, they sure won't. You know what I'm saying? God was above and beyond the one who carried the group. And then we come to Jesus, the fulfillment of so many promises all throughout the Old Testament. And a familiar passage, we hear it a lot. If you've been around church very long, you hear this a lot during communion time. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord, but I also passed on to you. How many communion meditations have you heard when those words begin? You know what's coming. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then this. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now listen, eating the Passover meal wasn't anything new to Jesus or his disciples, but what Jesus said must have thrown them off completely. He went completely off script from what they were used to hearing every Passover. And they had to be looking at each other saying, what is he talking about? What is that? I've never heard that before at Passover. He attributed the cup of blessing to himself, his own blood, not the blood of the Passover lamb, to himself, the new covenant. The disciples and all those after him were to remember him when they took this cup. Out all these centuries, the Passover was to remember Israel being freed from slavery in Egypt. But now... Now Jesus turns this meal on its ear and says, remember me. Talk about new. 
after 1,500 years of having this meal done in remembrance of Moses bringing the children of Israel out of slavery, now Jesus has the authority and the audacity to say, when you do this, remember me. No wonder they killed him. You may, you may think, I mean, it's, in, in, to our ears it may not seem like as big a deal. But imagine if you, on your way to church this morning, had to stop by your barn and pull out a bull or a sheep, or if you didn't have a sheep, maybe you had a goat, and if you were too poor to have a goat, maybe you had some pigeons that you trapped overnight, and you had to bring them to the building with you, uh, along with whatever, offering grain or or fruit or whatever you had. And and instead of a table here, we had an altar, and instead of a, a, a tie, I was wearing a robe, and we had the elders up here with knives, and you brought all of your animals, and we brought them up one at a time and slit their throats and let the, the blood drain all over the altar, and you were sprinkled with that blood, and you thought, oh, well, this is awesome because my sins are forgiven. Now I get to go home. Aren't you glad you don't have to do that? <laughs> we're in the new covenant. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. You may not feel it, on your face or on your clothes, you may not see the splattering of the atonement on your, on, your, on, your, on your physical body, but you are covered in the new covenant. You are, and in Christ, you are forgiven. And sometimes we pass the bread and sometimes we pass the cup without hardly a single thought. Or if we do, we're so fast to just move on to something else and we're occupied in our minds and it just doesn't register the significance, the history-bending significance of what we are doing. Jesus was from the family of Abraham and he fulfilled all the justice and righteousness requirements that Abraham and his family failed to do. Jesus was the true Israelite and he was faithful even when the nation was faithless. Jesus was the son of David. And he fulfilled the promise of God to have a descendant of David on the throne forever. Romans eleven twenty six says, As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem. He will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them. I will take away their what? Sins. New. God makes all things new. It was God's intention all along to heal and to restore the broken relationship between people and himself, and Jesus brought about the opportunity for men and women to enter into that partnership again, the one originally designed for Adam and Eve to bless the world, to bear the image of God to to the earth, to all creation. Last night, about 10.30 or so, as we were putting our, our girls to bed, we're all in, in Allison and Kathleen's room, and as is our custom, we try to just talk with them, and, and we share some scripture, and we pray before we send them to bed. This is the first night we were all together in the house, the first night to sleep in our new home. And if you don't have the, uh, the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you need to get that on your device or whatever. YouVersion, Y-O-U-Version. It's free, it's awesome. 
and it always has the verse of the day. The verse of the day, when, when I don't have anything else um, in my back pocket or any other thoughts, if we're not in another reading plan together as, as a family, we pull out the verse of the day. And so I pulled that out, and I read this. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. I don't know if that resonates with you, but that just sounds completely awesome to me. As the waters fill the sea, you ever been to the ocean? As the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with an awareness, a tangible electricity of the glory of the Lord. And you might wonder, what all this new covenant stuff has to do with you and me? Well, Jesus did all that, right? What's it got to do with you and me? Well, how in the world is the awareness of the glory of God going to happen except through his people? Now, creation speaks of the glory of God. We know that. The Bible speaks of the glory of God. But I'll tell you that unbelievers will read Christians before they'll read the Bible. And it's not possible for us to truly take part in life in Christ without knowing and agreeing to the terms of the covenant. If you're belonging in the, the era of the new covenant, must you not know the terms that you're agreeing to? I mean, imagine if I walked into that uh, abstract company and was going to sign papers for my house and I didn't know how much I was getting in the loan. Imagine if I didn't know what my mortgage payment was going to be and I didn't have any idea what the terms were. If I just signed my name, that'd be foolish. But yet there are so many of us walking around with the name Christian on us, and we have no idea what's required of us. We know exactly what Jesus did for us. We know exactly what God is willing to do for us and how much he cares for us. But for our requirements, I don't know. I'd be a good person? Uh, maybe. I. Oh. Here's the catch that people miss. And here's what trips people up on the journey to faith. They think, oh, okay, now I get it. Now this is a whole bait and switch thing. You tell me all this good news about what Jesus is going to do for me, and then all of a sudden, here comes, here comes the terms. Here comes what I really have to give. And I always tell them, what God wants from you pales in comparison to what he has for you. All God wants from you is everything, everything you have, which honestly isn't much, is it? I mean, I can fill five trailers full of stuff, but I don't have much to give. I have sin, I have pride, I have selfishness, I have brokenness and false motives, I have a wounded spirit, past hurts and fears, and God wants all of that. And he'll take all of that from you too. And in return, he will give all of him all of himself, all of who he is. And he will give you a new purpose and a new calling. And to close out, we just want to flip over a couple of pages to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Here's our part. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. 
Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Notice it's not our own talents, it's not your own good looks, it's not your own resources and money and 401k, it's just your confidence comes directly from God. He has made us competent. As what? Ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter of the, of the law, not of the letter, uh, not the old covenant, but of the Spirit. Because the Spirit gives life. You are servants taking this new covenant, this good news, this gospel, to your world. And it is out of gratitude, and it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that you do this. I hope this hasn't muddied the waters for you, but in, in making you new, God is calling all of us to carry this message, this new restored relationship to the world around us, that he really can make you new. Let's pray together. Father, I'm really grateful that um, you throughout history have been very clear as to, um, to what it is that you've done, the actions that you have made, the initiation of a great amount of, of work, effort, love, blood, sweat, tears on your, from you, your behalf, for our benefit and for our blessing. And so I pray that we would respond in gratitude, respond in love, and knowing that you made everything possible through Jesus. And it's in his name we say, amen.